the front of the factory was a concrete structure. It was a traditional structure, if you picture a factory. Like those little stained, rust-colored buildings that you can buy on SimCity. Had those uh, billowing, hazy clouds that slithered towards the unsuspecting residential houses. If you if you planted them too close to the industrial district. The houses, I mean. You can't smell on SimCity, obviously. It's a computer game. But I always knew that those buildings had this overarching whiff of charcoal and metal and, for some reason, burnt tires. Like the worst Canadian tire you've ever been to. When I try to explain the entry of that first building, the only word that comes to mind is chasm. This was the route that I told you about before that led to the cutting room floor. Down this long, steep set of graded metal stairs that... Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I already told you about it. Below the stairs that made clanging sounds when my boots made contact, the floor extrapolated, if that's a good word. The floor extrapolated out in the same metal way. It became a floor comprised of a constellation of hollows and gutters. Those allowed the offal to escape. I'm sure that was mostly back when the factory was used for traditional means. Back in the days when the meat that was butchered made its way eventually to grocery stores. By then, the meat would be referred to by names like loin and shank and what have you. In that room, the bottom half of the walls were painted in this red, rubberized paint. Easier to hose off, I'd imagine. At the time, I had never seen a room like that outside of horror movies, and I really didn't watch scary movies. <laughs> I personally can't stomach the gore. It's kind of funny, coming from me, given the whole history of medicine thing, but, but in medicine, gore is minimized and covered with this waterproof plastic drape. When Elena and I got there, to the factory, I mean, those walls and the floors were relatively clean. I mean, dirt had trailed off on boots of workers who dedicated their time to rebuilding and repurposing, but there weren't any animals cut up. Not like there must have been a long, well, not that long, but long time ago. In the back of that part of the factory, though, that was where I found the storage barrels. And that was when I realized that the chunks in the soup were actually chunks of unpeople. It seems like at the end of the world, Cannibalism always rears its head up somewhere. 
They taught us in medical school that that's where the disease called Kuru started. If you can believe it or not, in the real world, health groups had this big advocacy thing where they where they volleyed so heavily for people to just please stop eating your loved ones. No matter how pure their intentions might have been. The reason why they advocated so hard for this is because brains have the possibility that they can hold prions. And the wrong prion can evoke changes. It's a reasonably quick change, mind you, but but altogether it was a terrible wasting disease that's characterized by twisting, twitching bodies, insanity, and a, a loss of, of what makes you who you are. Wasn't it also the Black Plague, though, that eventually turned Europeans against eating each other? It was something about human tissue being more likely to carry disease, and and therefore there was a lot of encouragement that people should really only eat animals that are outside their own species. From a survival perspective, at least, cannibalism kind of makes sense. If you're starving, you, you eat whatever you can, whatever you can get your hands on, or else you might end up in the same place as the last person. I don't know if that makes sense, but but in the case of the factory, I imagine that was very much a predominant driving factor. Let's be clear, though, I'm not condoning cannibalism. <laughs> Please don't eat each other. But in their defense, maybe my will to survive isn't as strong as everybody else. Okay, so we thread that in there, and... Alright, twist. Twist! Come on! Hey! Hey! Huh? Hey! Got a minute? Ah, sure, yeah, what's up? Um, thanks, um... Have you seen Elena anywhere? Haven't seen anything other than this broken-down piece of garbage I'm trying to fix up. Oh. Uh, come on. Uh, hmm. You piece of crap. Um, do you know if anyone's brought a radio in here? A what? A radio. Not that I know. Why? Your thing busted? I don't think so. I just... Uh... What, you think we didn't notice? <sighs> well, it's not that I didn't... It's not that I didn't think you'd Best know. person I ask would be Frank. He's been here the longest. Hmm. <sighs> Just twist, twist. Um, Father, thanks. Come on, come on, come on. Gotcha, you bastard. I wouldn't tell him. How else are we going to know what it was? figure out if you heard a random voice? Well, I mean, yeah. Elena, there could be other people out there. Oh, I'm sure there is. But, like, 
What difference does it make? Do you have some kind of, I don't know, survival skill book that helps triangulate people or something? What? No, obviously I don't have a survival... And not to sound rude, but either you heard something or you heard something that wasn't even real. That's completely uncalled for. Do you really want to make waves with these people? You want to feed the machine? Obviously not. I think we should get out of here. It's just a matter of time. I've been thinking about that too. And I know you're vegetarian and all, but I can't keep pushing the mystery meat around my plate mm -hmm. and not eating it. People are getting pissed. Wait, you mean you haven't been eating it? Of course I haven't been eating it. I'm not a fucking cannibal. Elena, this is about appearances. What the hell, Sarah? Everyone else seems to have no problem with it, so you've got to... Yeah, I don't care what everyone else is <clears throat> okay with. Elena, they're not supposed to even know that I know. Much less that I told you. Even talking about this is making me gay. You can't just not eat it. Drop it. I can't right now, okay? Just... Just drop the whole thing, okay? I gotta go. Elena, where are you- I'll see you at dinner, or whatever. Where are you going? We still have to talk about this. <sighs> Remember when that first calf arrived? What a celebration. <laughs> Everyone else's enthusiasm was based on the fact that it was a she, not the fact that it was a cow, just a general cow. You see, everybody else saw it as an event or an opportunity that someday they were going to have more milk. It was because of the potential for future milk that the extra mouth to feed wasn't as big a deal. They had taken the afterbirth and said that they were adding it to the food so that the food would have more iron and protein. And they wanted me to collect any spare hairs or, or anything else so that they could dry it out, pulverize it, and utilize it for the collagen. Kind of surprised they even knew what collagen was, but that's kind of pretentious of me. Anyway... So the night that the first cow, the night that she was born, I stayed awake that whole night, um, and I stayed out with the mom and the baby. It was kind of a rough night, but I was still so <laughs> stoked <laughs> that I had helped with something that I thought was so monumental. But I was covered in... Ugh. By the morning, I had taken my jacket off because it was just filthy. And so when I was walking back, I was carrying the jacket in one hand, and I was carrying this bucket of coagulated blood and fur and stuff in the other. I left the cows so that I could make my way over to where the sleeping facilities were. 
I just really needed to lie down for a couple of hours. And I, I had a cot over there. That room was kind of a bunch of bunk beds. And I'd been a stranger to that area, more or less, for the last couple of weeks. I've been spending so much time in the pasture with the animals that I think some of the other people that were using the cots more regularly, they, they kind of forgot my existence. It was probably more peaceful without me, I guess. I don't know. I have this memory from long ago, back when I was a kid. I was on a boat with my family, and I slept in the top bunk that night. The bunk beds were in the that bottom part, the hull or, or whatever of the boat. But the seas were super rough. And somehow I, I rolled out of the bunk and banged onto the floor and hurt my back. I don't really remember the process of it all, but I do remember that kind of scarred me. And so ever since then, I've just been really apprehensive of the top bunk. Needless to say, I didn't get a choice of what bed that I used when I was at the factory. And, and I was lucky to have a bunk at all, so I didn't complain or, or protest about that. All the bunk beds were kid beds, so they didn't really fit anyway unless you kind of crunched up a little bit. Or if you were okay with letting your legs dangle over the baseboard. It's still better than the ground, <laughs> so... So when I got to that room, I plunked down the bucket, that bucket of hair and stuff. And I tossed my jacket over it, because whatever, that's going to have to be washed anyway, somehow. And then I climbed up the rickety little wooden stairs that led to the top bunk, and I just kind of collapsed. So tired. Anyway, I, in that whole process, I didn't even notice, but there was a lady, a woman, in the bottom bunk. Honestly, I don't even remember her face, and I don't know if I ever saw it. I mean, I'm sure I've seen her elsewhere, maybe in the dining hall or something, I don't know, but, but I guess her appearance didn't really make much of an impression on me. <laughs> when I got there, she'd been lying in silence, but by the time I got up on my bed, and I, I really just wanted to sleep, but... But I could feel, like, her eyes just digging into my mattress and into me. It's like I could palpate her hatred of my existence in that moment. I've got no real understanding why, but she had this absolute detestion of me. I think the fact that, suddenly... I existed in her space, and she didn't have both the bottom bunk and the top bunk anymore because I existed. And she'd probably gotten used to the stretching out and the space and, and my absence. So anyway, I lived there on the bed trying to ignore the fact that I could feel daggers shooting out of her eyes. But I 
couldn't ignore the fact that her breathing had sped up. Her inhales were sharp. She was holding her inhales for like an extra second or two, just barely noticeable, but it was as if she was holding her breath from just completely losing her shit. Anyway, I was lying there trying to ignore the fact that this lady was five inches away from just completely going bananas at me. When suddenly I feel this dirty boot shoved hard against my mattress. Kicking straight through and hard with the full force of each leg like she wanted to pulverize right through me. This woman, she started screaming out to someone I didn't see, someone someone across the room. And it sounded somewhere between this fiery battle cry and this cat hiss, coming out to the beat of her feet, jabbing up against my spine, my back. Can't believe this fucking bitch! She comes in here, she has the nerve to just show up, get all up in my personal space with her disgusting fucking stench. It's like she thinks she's human. And then, directly to me, she hissed just loud enough for me to hear in this intimate clarity. You waste of fucking space. You don't get out of my fucking bed. I swear I will come up there and I will stab you in your fat, ugly face. There's fight, there's flight, and there's freeze. And for some reason, my body involuntarily always airs to freeze. So I close my eyes and I, I squeeze them as hard as I could and I held my breath and just tried so hard to disappear. Because I knew, I knew it was just a matter of seconds before, before something sharp and dirty started ripping through my mattress and into my, my me, for all I knew, I was going to be the next person on the menu, because waste not, want not. But this woman, as quick as she lost it at me, she, she stopped and went back to the same sharp inhale, hold for three seconds, fuming exhalation. The next day, they... they came for Cletus. Because Cletus was a boy calf. So he was never going to give them milk. He didn't have a use. He was just another mouth to feed. And, well... The factory has more than enough of that, so. He came in a group. One of them brought a hatchet. And another one brought one of those guns that loads the nail 
with the intention to thrust directly through the brain of a cow, soon to become a meal. With gravel crunching beneath their dirty boots, they came. And along with that came Laika. Because she thought, she thought they were coming for me. Elena, Laika, and I were just guests in this makeshift house. And I have no right to argue. Of that I was made very well aware. I... I really don't feel well about, um, about Cletus, so I am not going to talk about that anymore. place needs a skylight. Or windows. I mean, there's a couple of windows, but they're tiny and they're, they're higher than my line of sight, so not really that helpful. They're more like vents or sulfur escapes or something. Probably for the methane, hey? Gotta worry about those cow farts. <laughs> Makes sense. They're probably for air circulation or, or something, you know, something to help whatever used to be stored in here. Make sure it didn't go moldy, I guess. But if there was light, like a lot more light. Like if we could get a steady stream of lights, something real, something that lets the sun shine in. Something beyond football bulbs that they've got put up everywhere. Maybe then we could get more grass to grow. This stuff is itchy. Pointy. Maybe I could even convince them to let me go out and dig up a tree or two and put it in here. <laughs> really help the ambience. Like that's gonna happen. <sighs> you guys be okay without me, right? Factory was never a permanent solution. As nice as it would have been to have a home, I I didn't belong there. And I was thinking that maybe I end up continuing to move around because if I stay somewhere, I'll end up in a in a somewhere like I was before. That somewhere where I feel trapped. Look, I can never leave because, I don't know. And I, I don't mean rapture. I don't mean the hospital. 
Maybe I'm running away from something. I mean, really, I am running away from something. Sometimes it's overt. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just running from something that brings out the worst inside of me. Or maybe it's just the end of days and, and nowhere is really all that secure. But I'm still just angry at myself for never being able to settle down and just stay somewhere. We gotta go. What are you... What are you saying? Get your shit. Let's go. Where are we... Shh. Where are we going? We're leaving. We're leaving the factory. What are you... What do you mean leaving? Where are we... We gotta go. At the... What? We're leaving. You... We're leaving. Where are we going? Shh. Why are you whispering? I don't want them to hear us. Let's go. Okay, fine. Just... Just give me a minute. All right, I'm up. I'm up. Get your stuff and let's go. Like us in the car. The car? We don't have a car. We have a car. I've got the keys. Let's go. Why are we doing this? Where did you get a car? Stop arguing with me. I'm not arguing with you. You are. Let's go. I don't know what, I, I don't know why you're so mad at me. I didn't do anything. I was just sleeping. I was just sleeping. Keep up! Where's Laika? He's in the car! It's a she. She's in the car! Uh, how do you not know that? Now's not the time! You need to get in the car, right now. What are you talking about? We need to go, but you especially need to go. What do you mean, me especially? Who took... Did someone tell you something? I'll explain to you later, just... Stop with the questions and get in the car. Oh my god, that was really loud. Do you see them? Do you see anyone? What am I even looking for? No, I don't see any. I don't. I don't know. Maybe? Seatbelts, everyone. Imagine how peaceful it must feel for those who can just pick a place, pick a house, a house with windows that aren't boarded up, and a door that doesn't have, like, five locks drilled into the side. A house where, if it was me, I'd buy a big, like, nine-foot-tall Christmas tree. And I'd buy a sofa and some artwork. The kind of artwork that fits a particular room just so. And, and if it was any other room, it just wouldn't work. 
you know? And in the kitchen, there'd be this giant wooden box of clementines, because they're in season this time of year. And, uh, and that box would be so big that you'd need a whole entire family just to eat them all before they go bad. And you don't want to throw out clementines. Like, come on. They're just objects, I know. But, but it's what they signify. They signify the, the, the desire to no longer need to escape, start over, run away. Whoever's listening, do you have that? What's it like? And if you're listening with my sister, could you tell her that I miss her? I miss her, but but I don't really know anymore if home is where she is either. I think that home is going to have to come from something else. Because I have this have this part of me that doesn't know how to settle down yet. Because if I do, it means I'm okay with all the parts of not just not just the world around me, but, but the world that makes up the inside of my head as well. And that's kind of the scariest place. Ugh. I don't know. Did you know, um, did you know that yesterday was Christmas? What am I even doing? <laughs>